Welcome, closers, to another episode of the Profitable Property Management Podcast. Today, I'm talking with Paul Kankowski. We're going to be talking shop about systems, processes, tech stack, some some of the events and the educational stuff that Paul is behind. Paul, welcome to the show. It's so nice to be here. It's been uh, a whole week since we've seen each other, since PMM Prague. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, that was a great event. Shout out to Brad and PMMCon. They put on a first class event. It was great to see people. That was kind of the first event that's been back to normal, more or less. Fair? Uh, that was a great event. I agree. I mean, the networking, um, the speakers, I was, it was so exciting to like see live human beings and be together. And I think we're on a good trend. I think that the industry as a whole is kind of coming back in terms of events. There's some great stuff in the calendar for the rest of the year, including the event that you're hosting that we're going to be talking about in a little bit. But I want to zoom back. We're talking about systems and processes. And Paul, you've kind of become one of the go-to guys on this topic. You've been talking about systems and processes for a couple of years now. And now we're at the point where you've been hosting a similar format event for a number of years. It's kind of a known quantity. I'm going to assume that this event that you're hosting later this year is going to get sold out. But how did we get here? How is it that you kind of backed into becoming one of the go-to guys on the topic of systems and processes? Well, my system sucked about five years ago and they were, you know, they were in my head and I was hiring remote employees. I started off hiring in the Philippines and I was always blaming my employees for the fact that they couldn't do things my way. And so I was always like, man, no, they're just, I can't get people to do things right. And so um, I'm, I wanted to be on the cheaper end. And so I heard about a guy named Errol Allen and he was going to come out to, we we're going to have him come out to Vegas. And so I was like, look, I'm going to get a bunch of people together and we're going to split his costs. That oh, way nice. I'm the full thing. So that was the first one. And then afterwards, there was so much chatter on Facebook that you contacted me and said, hey, um, I want to get involved in this when you do it again. You're, you know, you need to do this again. And I said, it wasn't anything. It was just us getting together. And that's how the systems workshop came about. It was you kind of saying, hey, we should do this. Um, I want to um, send some guys out there just to, as lead simple because you weren't in the systems um, world yet. Yep. And basically, you went there. And you kind of, you took us all out to dinner the second time and it was just a really good event and you've been there with us ever since. And it just, it just kind of snowballed from there. So I did it because it was fun. It was enjoyable. I was working on my systems. Now I honestly don't work on my systems at all during the workshop because I'm too busy running it. But um, it, it's, I just enjoy the event. I enjoy being there. I enjoy seeing people. Um, and this is one's going to be August 9th through 12th. It's the next opportunity you have to see live human beings that are property managers and um, we only lost 75 people in there. And so it sells out every time we've done it, sold out. And I mean, every time we've done it, Jordan, and I, I mean, I always hear people are loving it at the end because they, they get work done and they have a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, systems are tricky because it's one of those aspirational things where you know they should be better, but carving out the time to have a concerted focus on it can be difficult. And you've always taken a really hands-on approach of like getting actual work done, not hearing a bunch of inspiring speakers and then implementing later, but saying, let's actually ship while we're here, which is, is really useful. What I observed early on was that there was instant demand. You weren't pushing uphill in the sense that there was just 
kind of immediate demand for more information about systems and processes and the format of having people really get as much done on site has made a huge difference. So I'm certainly excited, but for those that haven't been or haven't heard a ton, what can someone specifically ex, uh, expect to accomplish by the time they leave this event? So a lot of people think I'm going to go to this event. I have no systems and I'm going to have all mine done by the end of the event. That's not going to happen. Okay. My systems, there's a few that we're still um, putting in the pipeline. We're working on, in, in my opinion, you do a good system. You don't just do like a checklist or something that's just vague or something. do a good system, a good system. If you start on like leasing system and you start on my event and you work on the leasing system, you'll have a good outline and it'll be ready to go by the time you leave. But then you're going to have to, you're going to have to test it in your actual company. And then you're going to make some changes. And so to me, a good system is a two to four week process. Mm -hmm. um, it's not, you know, uh, yes, I could get a system done right now in three hours. I get a system done that would, that would be a system, but I want systems that eliminate mistakes, eliminate issues and really make it. So um, as we go to remote employees, as we go to employees in the U S being remote, we need good instructions. So the, my systems are almost like systems manuals. Because they not only are the system, they tell you everything what to do from, from step A to C. There's, we don't skip things. Everything is there. You know, whether it's push enter on the computer, everything when mine is there so that anyone who I hire, they can look at that system and learn their job just from looking at the system. Yeah, there's a lot there. So that initial thought of like how much can you get done in a couple of days? How long does it take to implement systems? When I think about this, I see so much obviousness in the idea of having systems and processes. There's really no pushback. Nobody's saying, I don't need that. Everybody can just do things in their head. It's really only the solopreneur that never wants to not be a solopreneur that is saying that. And that is their advantage is that they, they need less documentation. But for anybody that has any modicum of trying to grow, trying to get some distance between the day-to-day -day tasks and their personal life uh, and brain space, this is fairly obvious and technology is a part of that obviousness but in terms of the implementation it takes time and I feel like that there are stair steps of awareness and acceptance of what it actually takes to build great systems and one of the steps is that the realization that someone in the organization has to be a systems and a process thinker a lot of owners they, they want in, they're willing to cut a check, they're willing to dedicate some time, but there might be a limit for certain owners in terms of how into the intricacies of the technology and the systems they're willing to get. What have you seen consistently from the folks that have been successful in adopting technology and really pushing it all the way into the organization, all the way down to the front line. What are some of the common denominators you see from the people that succeed versus those that kind of are just operate in fits and starts with it? First, I'd say if you're a single owner and you're the only person there, you do need systems. The reason you need systems is let's say you're using something like Lead Simple and you want to charge a renewal fee and you want to send eight letters out automatically about, hey, um, this is due on this date, you need to get it done. If you're, if you're by yourself, and let's say you have 70 doors, 80 doors, you're running, you're, you're moving, like you're going really, really quick, you're gonna forget to tell them enough times, which is gonna mean when they say, oh, I don't want you to pay that, you only told me 40 days ago, you never reminded me, you're gonna waive that fee. 
So systems make you more money, Jordan. Like systems have increased my bottom line dramatically because I, I can look in Lead Simple and be like, we sent you an email for the last six weeks every single Monday. And we didn't actually do it. Your, your, your software did it. Like all we did was put in the information at the very beginning and boom, it happened. So um, if you want to make more money, I would say systems are key. I would say whether you have one, one employee or 20 employees, like your employees are going to get things right. They're going to do things better. And so that's when I started realizing that, like when I started realizing that it made a better experience, like I had people that I'm, I'm charging $150 for blank. And they're like, yeah, you reminded me eight times. It's my bad. Instead of, you know, you know, screaming and yelling and leaving a bad Google review. It's just like, so that's where I'm saying that like, you know, when, who, who needs these systems? Everybody needs them. And everybody, if you, let's say you hate systems, let's say it's just, it's not your cup of tea. Then you need to help get someone to make them, but you need to break your systems. You, you have to, as an owner, have a vision for what you want them to happen. Even if you don't want to create the bottom line, I don't anymore create my systems. And um, I have, um, I have, uh, you know, ways that, you know, they have ways with to team up with you or to team up with our company where we create system and all you do is meet for an hour, go over that system, look at it and say, yeah, I don't like these steps the way they're organized. I want, you know, you should as an owner, even if you don't like the, the creating part, you should have how you want things to happen. I think all of us owners could say that. You don't have to be a tech wizard. You have to be, you have to know what your vision is of your company. And so I've had people say, hey, can I just have your system? I'm like, you gotta, you know, the outline of my system is fine, but you have to make the outline of your system made towards your company so that, so that it, because your company, my company are not going to roll the same way. And if you just put in there, you don't put any thought or depth. Like, let's say I were, you were just to take my leasing process and throw it in and give it to your employees. Well, you would have no thought into it. You need to actually think through your systems, whether it's creating it or whether it's just looking at it. But as a business owner, as if you have a, you know, whatever your roles of your people are, they need to look through it and you need to get buy-in and then it'll be successful. Yeah, that's a really great question. I mean, if you could just elaborate, like at the end of the day, why is a leasing process not a leasing process? Like what would be some examples of why, let's say somebody in the same state as you, why wouldn't your system port over? I get buy-in, but like what would be some other likely divergence in a, well, in a very common function of the business? I have a tenant university. I, I bet you most people don't. Um, I, I got this idea from Jason Wolf. And it was at one of these things, he gave it to us and we all, and I created it. My tenant university is given to the tenants the second after um, they sign a lease. This is a series of like 12 videos. And at the end, they get a certificate that says you've completed the tenant university. It goes through everything on how to pay, um, how um, our late payments are, everything. So I could show you the tenant university, but if you put that in your system, it would be me talking to them and that would be very good. And your policies aren't going to be the same as my policy. So you can recreate the wheel. Like you could take my tenant university, copy what we did. Oh yeah. They're going to talk about um, how to submit a um, maintenance request. Well, you might not use property mode or you might use property wear, or you might use that folio. So everybody's maintenance way of doing maintenance is going to be different. And so that's why I'm saying like every little thing um, you might do, we do a moving meeting, every tenant, when we meet, we meet the day of it and we have a moving meeting. And that's part of our move. A lot of people don't, they come and get the keys at the office they, and they fill out a form and they have a certain amount of days. So everybody is different in how they do things. And um, everybody's going to have, 
different rules, different laws, according to where they live, their state. So all those things are taken into point. And that's why when you're sitting with a group of people at the systems workshop, you're sitting there and you're like, I wanna work on my move out. And then they're showing you what they're doing on move out. And you're like, oh my gosh, like just like the whole thing with this whole tenant university, like that's something that I was like, wow, that's a great idea, Jason. And went home and made it. And, and so that's what you're gonna get. You're gonna get like those aha moments. We're gonna be like, that's so cool that company does it. And we have people like uh, Susan and some other people that have been to every single systems workshop from the very beginning and they're still going. And they're, and, and they're going because they, they have fun, but they're also going because every time they go, it's a concerned amount of days that they can work on their systems and make them better and get ideas from fellow peers. And one of the interesting ideas I run into, Paul, is the idea that I'm gonna get my systems done. Like you get in this project and, and you're leaning in and you think, wow, I can't wait to be done. And kind of the fallacy that I see is the idea that there is done with systems and processes. My observation is that it's never done because most entrepreneurs want to keep growing. And as you grow, you intentionally break your own systems in order to be able to service more demand, to improve things, et cetera. How many iterations do you think you went through before your systems and processes felt stable if if they even if that's how you would even describe it now so our weekly managers meeting we have a systems report and anytime anyone in our company finds something they don't like about the system it's a it's an excel spreadsheet they write down what it's a google spreadsheet but they write down what it is they don't like and then at the at that weekly meeting we're like you know this is a redundant step why is this here and then we talk about it that's the first thing so usually there'll be like one or two things a week that people have noticed that is not as good. So every person in the company has a right to um, comment on how, why the system's not working as well. And then we will actually go through it because we want people to believe like, why is this step here? Why are we missing this step? So that's, that's the first thing. The second thing with our systems is every time we have a, oh crap, it costs me money. So we have that, you know, that, oh crap, I'm paying $400 out because this didn't happen right. Then I go with an employee or the remote team member and we sit there and I say, let's go through the system. And let's see why this happened. Why did we miss this, this? And we go through and we're like, oh, this step is missing from the system. That's why you missed it. Let's add it. Or did you skip these steps? Because it's right here that you're supposed to send this, this, and this, and that this is supposed to be in the heading or whatever it is. So like a, a, a big thing with that is home warranties. Home warranties, which I do not like, um, but they cost us money sometimes because we'll get, have a new owner onboarding and um, then all of a sudden something will happen and we'll send a plumber out there. We don't send the home warranty out there. And all of a sudden we have a ticked off owner because he has a home warranty and, and we end up eating the cost. So what we found in our system was we added HW to the title of the um, property, but we did it after we put it in property, um, property mill. So the HW wasn't getting in property mill, but it was getting in a folio because it was just a, it was just a, 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 where it was. All we had to do is move it up three spots and it solved that problem. But it took us costing me $150 for me to realize that. And so like, every time something costs me money, I think it's a great time to review. And, and so the employee there says, wow, I screwed up. I missed this step. And then you say, don't do it again, move on. But it's a teachable moment or, they, or the system's wrong. Or so my question always to the employee when they do screw up, I say, how could we have made these instructions better so that you could have followed them easier? And the employee says, well, I, I don't like this, this, and this. And I got confused with this wording. Or they say, they're perfectly good. I just messed up. I'm sorry. Like, you know, and so I don't say you messed up. I always say, how can we make this better so that you, 
that you don't make the mistake. And those, you have those employees that happens every once in a great while, you move on. And you have that employees that keeps on making that same mistake on the same step, probably um, not a good fit that they're gonna, you're gonna have to do some recorrection or they might be in the wrong seat on the bus. I love the feedback loop. That's what we're talking about, right? Something happens and you abstract what actually went wrong from the immediate circumstance. It's so easy to focus on fixing the circumstance and moving on, but you're saying you're taking the lesson and you're pushing it back into the organization as a systemic fix. It reminds me of the concept in lean manufacturing. There's the story, the story of hanging yellow cords on the car assembly line at the Toyota manufacturing plant. And these hanging yellow cords were meant for any employee at any time to pull the cord and to completely stop the assembly line. And the reason that any employee had the prerogative to stop hundreds of people from working at once by pulling this cord was because there was a management view that by stopping and figuring out what was wrong and fi fixing it at a systemic level, the upside of that forced stop was worth the improvement that they were going to be able to get at it from a systems level. I think one of the logical questions that flows from that is who has the ability, anybody can give feedback, but who has the ability to actually change and update the systems? How many people are actually editing and changing your systems on an ongoing basis? So who's ever responsible for the system, they will be involved in the conversation anytime we change it. So if we're doing move outs, Linda, that's her system. She's in charge of it. Even though other people have tasks assigned to them, Linda's in charge of making sure everybody does their tasks. So at that meeting, if they say, hey, there's some things wrong on the move out, I'm going to, um, there's a good chance, it's going to be Linda and David. David's my implementer. David's my person who changes it. And, but Linda's going to be involved in every change that occurs with the system she's involved with. Um, at the beginning, it's me. I mean, I'm sitting there and Linda would still be there, but I'm breaking it. And, I, and, I, and I'm like, I don't like this. So um, the renewal process, I, have, I do one step in the renewal process and that's just to verify the thing. And I didn't like one line it. So I was like, David, I don't like this line. Let's switch it, let's change it. Because that was my one step. But it's really important to get the people that are doing the work involved. I've had people that say, I'm the boss, I'm gonna make the system. This is what we're gonna do. Get buy-in. Get, get the feedback because if they tell you, you know what, boss, this can save us two minutes, a process. Well, two minutes times a couple of hundred in a year, we're, we're talking real time now. We're talking real savings. So they know what's going to take time. And every once in a while, you know, David would have some steps in there. I'm like, why is this step even here? Like, why do we need to input this information? This is useless. Like, it's not part of it. And he'd be like, oh, well, I just thought it'd be good. And I'm like, it's not important. It doesn't help the process. Let's get rid of it. So it's like, and, and so it's always getting that feedback from everybody. I mean, and then there's other steps. I'm like, why is this step in here? This is useless. He's like, this is why blank, 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 blank. And this helps this blank, blank. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's a great step. Like, so it's, if, if I were just go in and just make changes myself, like I'm not allowed to, I'm not allowed to go into my, my, my system and make changes. Like I don't do that because if I just made changes and I didn't have the people that were doing the work there when I just did it, like I can create a system all I want. Like if I want to create one that's different, but if it's already being run, then I don't make changes without them being a part of it because that's just not fair. Man, there's a ton of nuance that's really easy to lose in what you just said. What you said earlier in the, in the interview is that you're not in the systems. You're not making a ton of, of tweaks. You've really done a lot of handoff, but 
the subtext there is that you have buy-in. You're handing it off to people that are fundamentally bought in, and presumably you got buy-in by doing the hard work. You you led the front lines. You were the one with a, a hatchet or a machete out in leading the way in out in the jungle before a road could be paved behind you. What feedback do you have and what observations do you have about other folks that, again, have been through this process of trying to adopt systems, some that have been more successful than others, around developing team buy-ins? It's so critical. Well, first, Jordan, is I want to let you know that I'm not done with all my systems. Like, my wife does applications, and we have a new employee starting on Friday, and she wants to be out of, like, doing day-to-day house match, but she's like the owner that did it her way did it because we didn't argue with her. She did a good job. So that in the next month is the next process that I'm creating. And so I will be very, very involved in that process. So I'm very involved in when it, when it's a new process. So um, it's just when it's changes and, and who's ever going to be this new person. Like I always hear like, well, they're a new person. Why would they be involved? Well, because if they're involved in like us creating this, then they're going to be like, well, I don't get why this is happening. So while I'm spending my time, doing this process, I might as well be teaching them how the process is done, how it is. And you'd be surprised how new employees can still give you ideas that you didn't think about. So, so I, I'm just saying that like, you know, people always say, Oh, you work on your system for so long. You're done. No, I, I, I'm not done. And there's even after that, I'll probably, I think that's like my last big one, but then I'm sure I'm going to find something like, you know, owner offboarding. I mean, that's a process we didn't have. And now we have it um, just because everybody's selling their houses right now. I mean, two years ago, I didn't think about our offer. I didn't know one left. And then like now it's, I know a lot of us are having like, you know, and how do we, how do we help get those sales with owner offering? How do we make sure that we are the one that they're going to look at? So that's a, a process we did. I don't think, I think I got off your question you asked, but I just. Yeah. Yeah. No, it totally makes sense. It's never a finished target. There's always more room for optimization. Even if property management was perfect, well then, okay, what about the brokerage side of the business? We're seeing people expand in that direction. The question was really around when you hear from someone that they, I tried it. I tried the systems. I tried lead simple, whatever the platform is. My people, my people won't use it. You know, what, what would you, what comes up for you when you hear that? Because the best system in the world that people aren't using is worthless. What's your advice or feedback for folks that, for whatever reason, just are not being successful in, in adoption? Well, I started with Asana and, uh, you know, I, I had, it, they weren't using it and I wasn't getting it used much. Then I went to process straight. You weren't existing yet. And um, they were like, oh my gosh, this is confusing. But then they, they got used to it. And I just made it a requirement. Part of having this job is that you check off. So when I had a sauna, um, this was way back my first remote employee. I had like 40 checklists and there, there was this checklist. And so my one employee every Friday would go through and check off the things on Friday. So she made it a two hour job. And I'm like, no, that's not what this is about. You don't check it off at the end of the week because she missed stuff. And she'd be like, I think I did that. And I'm like, this is useless. This is not just a task that you have to do. So it, it, so it becomes a task when it becomes a checklist that they do after they do the process. Mm-hmm. Then it's like, there's no use to it. Why? That you're just giving them another job. So you might as well have a checklist on a piece of paper in front of them because it's just completely useless. So my thing is, is like, you have to start with leadership. So every time um, I sign a lease, I go in to Lead Simple 
and I check off that I signed the lease and then I, you know, check off. I think I have three things I have to do, but I check all those things off and um, I have to make it so that they can't pay online and that's it. And then it goes back to everybody else, but I actually still sign the leases. I'm, that'll be stopping at the end of this year. I'll be giving someone else to do it, but I'm still doing that process. I'm still checking that por portion of the thing, but I always use lead simple. And when I don't, I always tell my staff, you get mad at me. If I, if I do something in a, in a, in a, in a process and I don't check it off, then you need to let me know. And so it's more that it's an expectation within my company that you check things off because I always just tell them we make, we make too many mistakes when we're expected just to know things and we do things differently. And I don't want with fair housing issues with, um, I want to treat everybody the same. And if we're doing stuff like, oh, that tenant's a pain in the butt. I don't like them. I'm just going to do it this way. If we go, oh, they're, they're giving me a 30 day uh, to, to move out. This is the process. We send this. And then that, 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 what happens is they'll forget to send that notice out. And then all of a sudden that pain in the butt tenant's going to get mad because we didn't give them the information that they can have a walkthrough or whatever the, the law is in your state. So um, it's just, you know, at first, it's going to feel like it's another task. It's another job. Then they're going to find that they, they don't have to think about what they have to do. So, and that, I love this about Lead Simple. Two to three times a day, I go into Lead Simple and I look and it says, you have these eight tasks to do. Okay, let's do these eight tasks. And I'm done. At the end of the day, I look and I'm like, oh, I have two tasks. Someone did this and I do my tasks. And so I don't really have to think about what's happening with the renewal process. I have one task in the renewal process. And the other thing with Lead Simple is I can click on Linda and I can see, Oh my gosh, Linda has 24 tasks today. She still hasn't done Lead Simple. Oh, the next day she has 32. She didn't get 20, 24 of them are late. So then I can say, I can call Hugo. And I can say, Hugo, you need to answer the phones and Linda needs to catch up on her tasks. Linda's behind in her work right now. I know they're behind in their work. My, um, everyone that works for me in two minutes or less. And, and that was the biggest difference between, between Asana, Process Street and Lead Simple. One of the things is, is Lead Simple is really simple to see when people are behind in tasks. Um, Lead Simple is very good at automating. Lead Simple automates with Appfolio. Cha-ching, I mean, gosh, like you figured out how to automate with Appfolio. Nobody, like, ooh, I should be quiet. Appfolio might try to cut it off. No, but like <laughs> no one, it, it's so difficult to automate with Appfolio, but all our owners, all our tenants, all our vendors, they're all being put into Lead Simple. So all this stuff that we used to have to put in, so it makes it so much easier. It makes it, so much um and once they realize in the beginning it's gonna be harder but but once they learn how to do it it's gonna make their job easier and they can clock out and not think about what are the 14 tasks they have to do they don't have to think about them because those 14 tasks will show up the next day and lead simple yeah i love it i mean i think the thing that stuck out to me most was the subtext of what you said around auditability surely and all the conversations that you've had with pms you've had similar conversations to me where you can tell you hear someone griping about a team member or you hear about a really exceptionally dysfunctional situation where it seems obvious that a staff change needs to happen, but there are reasons bandied out, trotted out as to why the, the change can't be made. And if you read between the lines, what I hear sometimes is this, this owner is afraid of what would happen by having a staff change in this position. They're too far from that aspect of the business. They feel like they don't know 
how to do a leasing process anymore. They don't know how to do XYZ function. And so there's a ton of, of resistance and delay in making staff changes when it is necessary because of this kind of overarching sense of the, the, it being in everybody's head and the pain of what it's going to be like to have to replace people. Have you picked up on that at all for folks that don't have systems, like the, the amount of the leverage that they have relative to staff members at times? Yeah. Yes. I mean, think about it. If you don't know how to do your leasing process, you don't know how you're doing a renewal process and your key person for that comes up to you and says, I want a $20 an hour raise. You have two choices. You can either try to figure it out and have it totally screwed up or you're you know, held hostage and um, having to give them that raise. I mean, I could be like, yeah, right now we're not going to do that. And oh, and by the way, you know, so-and-so is also trained because we try to train two people in every process. Um, we have a backup and we have a person because let's just see it's not a memory. Let's say they get hit by a bus. Like everyone talks about this. Oh, you know, this person's so key to my business. And we all have that. But if someone gets hit by a bus, I better be able to put someone else in there and they'd be able to follow it. Or as the owner, I'd be able to better be able to follow it. I can do every process in my company. I don't want to do any of them, but I can do everyone because the directions are very simple and I could do it the same way they would do it. If I had the time and the hours, I can do it the same way because everything is spelled out. Everything's there. And even if I haven't done one in five years, I mean, there's so many things like where people ask me, Oh, well, how do you do this process? And I'd be like, I haven't done that since we set it up. I'd have to look at it. And they're like, you don't know how you're, you know, the steps of your leasing process. No, I don't have them memorized because if I had to do it, I would look at my process and I would follow along because I've allowed my brain to let that information poof go out because there's too much in there and it's always just bulging and giving me headaches. So like, I have to think about the next weird thing I'm going to think about. So, you know, I can't, once the process is done, I can be like, okay, now it's done. Now I can believe in the process. I don't have to have this master, um, you know, Yoda like thing. I know everything. Man, well said, you know, the finite cognitive capacity, I think is one thing that we miss as entrepreneurs. There's a bit of denial, the idea that multitasking, we can pay attention to a bunch of things. Cognitive capacity is finite. There's a container, you know, there's a cup for it and everything we add displaces something else. We could have a deep thoughts about a small number of things or shallow thoughts about a wide number of things, but the actual size of the container is, is fixed, relatively speaking. So in thinking about being in day-to-day -day ops and being consumed with it, the idea that you're not doing strategic planning makes sense. How could you? If you're consumed with all the day-to-day -day ops, you don't have time to think about that. It's an indulgence. It's a luxury. And the selective ignorance or the selective incompetence, as I like to put it, is key to me being able to function as an entrepreneur. I have to forget. There are things I have to stop knowing about in order to make space for the things that are more important that I'm committed to learning about that I don't yet know. I, had, I don't, don't know that I'd even really fully wrap my mind around that aspect of it, um, but it makes sense. It makes a ton of sense. So I love what you're up to here. For those that are thinking about coming out to the conference, I want to make sure that the opportunity is fully teed up. Again, dates, location, one more time. Okay, so it's August 9th through 12th. It's in Las Vegas. It's um, at the Suncoast Hotel and Casino. So the Suncoast is off the strip. 
So it's, it's uh, North Vegas. It's, there's a reason we do this. And you know the reason, Jordan. It's because everybody's in the same place. You go down to the casino, you're going to see everybody because it's one little casino. Um, you go up in the rooms. This is not in conference halls. This is in 3,000 square foot venues. So these are in rooms. We have couches and tables and everything set up. And we have like five or six of these rooms. And you're going to go. So the vendors have a room. And the vendors are going to be doing amazing presentations. You know, we have a couple presentations in the morning. We have Wolfgang Krosky. He'll be speaking. Uh, we have Julie Molnex is going to be taking six remote team members and showing how they do their process, how they do their job. So you're going to get to actually see like two of my team members and three or four of her team members. And they're going to say, this is how I do the renewal process. This is how I follow through. This is my job. Um, so that's a really cool thing. Like we are open on Saturday and Sundays. And um, the reason we're open on Saturday and Sunday is because we get owner leads. But main other main reasons, because I have good systems in place, my team members work on renewals. They work on they have all these things. They work on the weekends. And then when someone calls for tenant Turner because they can't get the lockbox open, it doesn't go to me. So that's just another thing. When you get your systems really well, you, you, you can be open seven days a week and you're not worried about, oh my gosh, is my team member working? Because they have stuff to do on the weekends and it, and it just makes your company that much better. But anyways, get back to the conference. So, so it's, it's a really fun event. Like every night we have a, um, a bar open from 6 p.m. till midnight. So if you like hate gambling and you don't want to go in the casino, don't, you don't need to. You can sit up in the bar and just talk with other proper managers. I will have lots of different whiskeys on hand, you know, lots of different alcohols, um, you know, wine, et cetera, soda, water. And so that's up there. So that's there for people that want to just, um, and, and I've had some great conversations because I'll be up there at night. We go to a nice Italian restaurant, which you've got, we've gone to every year. It's right across the way. That's awesome one night. And then we're having a bowling tournament. And you might say, I get this a lot of times. I hate bowling. I don't bowl. Well, we have two categories in this bowling tournament. First off, every vendor is going to get a team and they're going to be dressing up their team and we're going to have like the best dress. So, you know, I'm, I'm expecting your team, Jordan, to be wearing some type of lead simple shirts or something with that. And, you nice. know, and um, so the vendors are going to have their, their teams. I mean, if they want to just get a blue shirt from Target, I don't care. But the vendors are going to get their teams set up. And then we have two different types of categories. We have the one for people that actually like to bowl, like someone bowls over 150, get three strikes in a row, and it's going to be a tic-tac board. And they're going to check off what they get. And then we have the one for the rest of us who don't like bowling. It'll be like, take a selfie with someone over 60 years old with your entire team. Uh, bowl between your legs and get a pin down. Um, backwards between your legs. You know, I mean, it's going to be like, have the bumpers on and hit the bumper five times and get, um, get a strike. You know, things that are just going to be crazy stuff that like, you know, you're going to be sitting there and you're not going to be bowling. You're going to be having fun doing that. So we have two different types of competitions. Um, and that the main reason why we do all this is you get to know the other people. You leave this thing and because there's only 75 people there, you have relationships. And when you have a problem, so you're working on your move out system and you're working with Chris or you're working with um, Sarah, whoever it is, when you get done and you guys didn't finish it, you call them up and say, hey, can I send you my rough draft? Can you send me yours? I mean, that's what I did so much in the beginning because mm -hmm. now you, because you've worked because in the afternoon, you're working on your systems the entire afternoon. So um, you're working on your systems, you know, from, you know, from four to six hours a day. And so they, that's, that's the majority of the day. So let's talk about who to send. Let's just imagine I'm the management company owner. I have the vision. I want to lean in. I'm going to put resources behind it. However, 
the key person on my team that's going to lead this is not me. It's my ops manager. It's my department head. Is this something where I should come and then, and, you know, take great notes and kind of pass that off to the team back at home? Or should I bring my ops manager? Should I bring my person that I'm expecting to really get knee deep into this uh, systems process? Bring your ops manager for sure. Um, you know, I've had people bring seven team members to it. Um, bring your ops manager because they're going to be the one that you're going to lay this off to, but I would go with them. If you don't have great systems, go with them so that you know how to support them so that you learn how to support them. And then so that they can start working on the systems and you can kind of, you know, maybe go some vendor halls, do some other stuff as owner. You really, if this something, and then you go back and you can give them support and you can see what they need to do. But as the owner of the company, you're going to get, you're going to learn a lot more about what you need to have happen. You're going to get to see other people's systems. You're going to be like to your office manager, Ooh, I like this idea. Let's take this. So it's kind of like, oh, why do you go to PMM con? You go to PMCon to get ideas. And where do you get a lot of those ideas? At the bar. Um, you get a lot of those ideas sitting around talking to other people. So as the owner of the company, you're going to get a lot of ideas. As the ops manager, you're going to get really hands-on how to go back and get this done. If you just go to the owner of the company, you could go back and teach your ops manager. But as the owner of the company, I wouldn't want to go back and teach them. I'd rather have someone like you because you're going to have, I think, five people from Lead Simple there. Yep. Um, and so they, and they're walking around and they are, they are the most helpful people in the world. Like you can be using process street or Monday or Asana, and they're going to help you. You have questions on process. They're going to help you because their goal is just to, I mean, their goal is usually simple, which I love, you love, we all, we, you know, then, and yeah. we're moving to it, but their goal is to help you so that you can get in and then to see what lead simple will do for you. And then you might want to switch to like, again, I was on a different software, but and move to lead simple. Um, Wolfgang Krosky, he's one of the speakers there. He's the automation expert. Like he's just like, you know, he switched. I mean, he was with, uh, he was with one of the, the big, I forget which one, but I was amazed when he switched, but he switched because he was always doing the back end and he was always tinkering it so that it could pull information from Appfolio. And I think it was a Podio. And he, and he learned how to tinker, but every time Appfolio made a change, he had to re-tinker it. And he's like, this is a waste of my time as the owner of the company. And he's like, I'll just let all those, you know, guys in the background tinker it for, because you've got hundreds of people on the, on Appfolio. So you have a whole team yeah. when Appfolio makes changes tinkering. So that's why he switched and he's just, he's loving it. And so, um, you know, these are people that like, I honestly thought that he'd be on Podio forever. So um, the, the point is, is that you're going to have software and it doesn't matter what the software is. You're going to, I mean, if you like it and it works, then this event's going to be for you. You don't, you don't have to be with, you know, there's going to be people with multiple softwares there, but it's just going to be the idea of processes. Software helps the process, but the process has to be created. You, if, you, if, if I were to give you leadsable software and, and you were to pay twice as much a month, but you didn't know how to create the process, your software is just nothing. Like, and then that's what we always get. You have to create these or your softwares can't be used. Right. Yeah. You have to have the infrastructure. You have to have the inspiration, the commitment, the buy-in. There is a, a list of ingredients to the successful recipe for having transformation. But I believe, and I know you believe that the juice really is worth the squeeze, the possibility of what it unlocks, the error prevention, a whole host of things that add up to greater profitability, greater distance, and just a better experience 
being the both the owner and one of the team members at the company. There was something that you mentioned earlier. I'd love to hear you flesh out a little bit more. You mentioned the importance of having your data automatically pulled out of Appfolio or whatever the PM software is and fed into um, where your systems and your processes are housed. Is that a, that didn't seem like a minor point. What is the significance of that? And it's of interest to me because as far as I know, that is not something available with other process software, Asana, Process Street, et cetera. How big of a deal is that and, and why? It, it's huge. And I, and I do believe that with $100,000 adaptation, some people with Podio have been able to I'm do I'm sure. I'm so sure. I, I mean, and that's where, like I said, Wolfgang was the guy. It's so huge because I go to the renewal process and all the tenant information is there. Um, now, not only do we have that, we put in all of our HOAs as vendors, all the HOA information now pulls up. So we get all this thing that, you know, we needed for the renewal. Now, all of a sudden, everything is there. And so it saves time. And so that's why I did the switch. Like I had, I mean, honestly, I was fine with Process Street. Everything was going fine. And it was a pretty big switch to do. But the amount of, I looked at it and I'm like, oh my gosh, the amount of time and labor and less mistakes and everything that's going to be there by this happening and knowing and knowing that the um, additions that you're adding to Lead Simple, like that you're going to have the emails that are going to be able to be tracked kind of like- Inbox. Yeah. Yeah. I forget the name of that software, but you have all these different things and knowing that you're specific only towards property managers. That was the big thing that, that really bought me. You're not trying to get people that are doing um, Airbnbs or you're not trying to get people that are doing, um, you know, owning a restaurant. The, you know, your software specifically for, you could use it for other, other, other industries, but you really, you, you worked on our industry and you, you really like looked at, you were at every single one of our meetings as a lead simple representative. But what we didn't know is you were sitting there taking data. What do you like about your system? <laughs> what don't you like about your system? What's not working? And you guys, and you guys were just sitting there making notes and finding out what people's pain points were. And then you were taking their pain points and making it so it didn't exist. So that was, that was the huge thing. So um, it is, it's so nice having your data come in. Um, so, it, and I, and I, and people are starting to figure out how to, how to do that with that folio. But like, you know, I know um, rent manager, it's just part of it. And it, you know, and, and, and I actually thought, oh, I mean, I, I thought for like two seconds, I should switch software so it could integrate to whatever I can. And then I said, no, I don't want to go through that. That's too painful. But like, you know, I was frustrated that Appfolio doesn't integrate. And now I feel like Appfolio does because, you know, it's part of it. And the same is true with my applications. Um, I'm using an application provider who um, will be at the conference too, Findigs, that also integrates with Appfolio. So there's people are starting to find that, but it's so nice when the company on the outside is spending all the hours doing the changes, making sure it works. Yeah, and it's not trivial. And you're right, it does break and things have to be fixed and, and the parsing is non-trivial, but it's definitely a worthwhile investment. Well, let's, um, let's leave it here, Paul. Somebody hears all this, they wanna go, they're interested. How do they get a ticket? Where do they go? So you're gonna go to uh, pmsystemsconference.com and it, the price goes up uh, at the end of May. So the price right now is $700. It's going to go up to 800 um, starting June 1st. So do it now. 
the other thing, um, and then July 1st, it goes up to 900. So the full price is 900. Right now it's at 700. Uh, the other thing is there's a pre-conference. And so a lot of times people are getting confused. You can sign up for the conference and sign up for the pre-conference later. What the pre-conference is, is it's, um, it's a bunch of instructors, Matthew Tringali, Wolfgang, and myself. We're going to be doing a very, very small group, one hour on specific areas. Like one of my things is going to be the, uh, the movement. And one of my things is going to be the tent university. So I have a whole hour on basically how we do the tent university. So that was something you wanted to, to get done. That would be an hour. Uh, Wolfgang is going to have a um, hour on integration using um, Zaps, Zapier. So those are things that you can sign up. Those, that's the pre-conference. That is, that is a conference. That is like teaching, um, you know, educating and that the, this, the workshop is more you working. So there's the day before. And the thing about the um, conferences, the funny thing is, is every single person that is doing the pre-conference, me, Wolfgang and Matthew, we were all former teachers. So, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I pick people. I don't know. I just hang out. Like, I'm like, oh, I really like listening to you talk, Wolfgang. And he's, you know, I find out he's a former teacher. And then Matthew Jungali, the same way. Like Matthew's going to be doing a lot with uh, EOS. So he's the EOS expert. And so that, that, that has, you know, he's just doing something separate. And, you know, I really like listening to Matthew talk too. So the, the, these are things that you can, you don't have to do them. Um, the conference starts Monday night. I think it starts at 5 p.m. or 4 p.m. And then we have a big a happy hour the first night. And then it's Tuesday, Wednesday, full days, Thursday, it ends at 11. Um, Thursday, we do what we've done every year. We do the uh, best ideas to make money or save money. And we, and everyone in the room gives their best ideas. And then we give hundred dollars to the best idea that we vote on. Um, we do that every year because it's like awesome. Cause you find out like, wow, in one, in, in a, in a one hour period, you, you get learned all these ideas, just writing them down. So those are the different things that we're in that that's going to happen. I would say sign up now. If you don't know about the pre-conference, then wait, but just sign up for the event because you can save it. The other thing is that we always sell out and we always have a waiting list. And so let's say something happens and you can't go. I guarantee you, there'll probably be someone on the waiting list will buy your ticket off of you. So get it at the discounted price right now. PMSystemsConference.com. Yes. PMSystemsConference.com. Uh, you know, Paul, if you, Paul, you can text me, you can call me if you have more questions on it. And I will be, you know, if you go to, if you're on Facebook, I'm on Facebook, just become one of my friends and then we can instant message through there. And I can talk to you more about it if you have if you have questions. I'm happy to talk to property managers. I really believe in the NARPM way. NARPM way is, you know, that you really want to be there for people because people were there when I started. There we go. PMSystemConference.com. I'm going to be there. Good portion of my team is going to be there. We're going to be rolling heavy at this event. I've been once twice yeah i've been i've been twice it's a solid event it's a really worthwhile investment and i'm just a huge believer in time boxing and having a forced uh constraint and this is a great opportunity to upskill and to sharpen the saw strongly recommend it hope to see you there paul as always it's a pleasure i'll see you in vegas see you in vegas